0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. For the next 10 weeks, starting next week, uh, we'll be looking at uh, Made in the Image of God and the whole concept that goes along with it. We give you this because it's a great opportunity to invite some uh, friends and family members to join you for the series. It's an issue that our culture is wrestling with and a great opportunity to do that. Uh, There are a bunch of these in the hallways as well. You can pick up to pass out, take a picture. You can email it forward or text it forward to friends and family members. So join us for that. Also, we need uh, some help. You can look. uh, We've got a couple of big mail-outs going out this week. We need some help from folks during the week. Details are there. You can read all the other stuff that's here. A lot of ministries kicking off in January great opportunities for you to grow and to serve and to be involved. So as we uh, have a New Year's challenge and look at what God has in store for us, uh, this is where we'll be headed over the next several weeks. This morning, Tim Cartwright, junior high pastor, faithful follower of Christ and uh, family man. So uh, he's also our token Yankee from Philadelphia. So uh, would you greet him this morning?
1: All right. People are cheering a little louder for Philadelphia because the football game later today doesn't matter at all. Well, I'm going to just give you guys a few uh, sweet little resolutions and uh, move you on your way. Now, I'm not really going to do that. A lot of times, uh, New Year's messages are really cheesy, and they kind of throw at you a few – not that your messages are ever cheesy at all, but uh, (laughs) – <clears throat> Sometimes we get resolutions, we're like, all right, go do this and have fun and enjoy your new year. And uh, I didn't really want to do that today, uh, especially it's New Year's Day. It's, it's 2017. Today is the day that we start this new year. And um, so I, I really wanted us to think about something a little bit different. And um, it sounds a little depressing uh, at the start of the new year. It's something to die for. Something to die for is what we're thinking about today. And uh, last week, for those of you that were here, uh, Danny Cunningham shared with us our executive pastor. Uh, We had a handful of people here. It was was a good time of fellowship together and worship. And Danny left us with a verse. Uh, This verse is up on the screen. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he kind of left us hanging there with that verse to think about and to consider. And that's what I want us to kind of begin to consider this morning is to think about what was Jesus sending us into the world for? What was Jesus sending his disciples into the world for? What is he sending us into the world for and into our community for? And what is that purpose I want you to take a second to think about this past year. Think about 2016. For some of you, it was a great year, a, a year of accomplishment, a year of success, a year of great things, and for many others, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was a depressing year, maybe it was a tough year. People have lost loved ones, and people have been through issues and, and difficulties, and this past year, has been good and bad for for our family, I'm sure, but I guess I'd I'd like you to consider what got you up in the morning this past year. What got you up in the morning? What inspired you? What made you tick? What what got you moving each day? For me, there's one of the things that inspired me. Now, some of you are like, oh, that's such a cute little kid, but uh, he's a little crazy. He's our fourth. And what got me up in the morning every day was him at the foot of his door. We put a child lock on the inside of his door because he'd always get out. And so it's him with his toys gathered up at the foot of his door on the other side, kicking the door. It sounds like he's banging the door, just breaking it down. This is Owen, and that's what woke me up most of 2016. Now we're not talking about that literally, obviously that's just funny, but not literally what woke you up in the morning, but what inspired you? What what made you think? What got you out of bed? What got you moving this past year? And as we think about that, maybe your answer might be work, kids like me, sports, games, a spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, a lot of different things that get us up and inspire us and, and get us moving. You know, time... The, the, the time that's moving, the clock that's ticking can inspire us. It's one of our most valuable resources that we have, and thinking back to 2016, I'm sure I can say I probably didn't use my time as wisely as I should have. Now, Some of you may be a lot better than I am, but for me, I know I probably could have used it a lot more efficiently and for a greater cause, and As I was talking about this concept uh, with Chase, our our, uh, global outreach pastor, he gave me this really good quote from Nate Saint. It's a missionary, a well-known missionary that that was uh, martyred on the field, and he says, and people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives, and then when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years They have wasted. Talk about a gut punch for the start of 2017. To consider this quote, to consider this man who knew a little bit about this topic today, something to die for. He and his family went overseas and and literally died for what they believed in. You think about that and think about the time that we spend on this earth How we spend our time and the value we place on things is very important. You know, Temple Bible Church here, we have three core values. That we we place high value on these things as a body and as a people that come together to worship and serve God. And one of them is living in authentic biblical community. Another one is living on mission, sacrificially. And then the third one is surrendering daily to Jesus, surrendering daily. And as we think about those core values, there's one principle I'd like to draw out here. It's called sacrificial living. Sacrificial living. What is your reaction when you hear those two words? Sacrificial living. I know for me, it's not always a good reaction. For me, it might be a, maybe you, fear, but maybe a little bit of excitement, There also maybe some anxiety in there. What does that mean? Sacrificial living? Are you going to call me to go overseas and lay down my life? Sacrificial living. What do, what do you think of when you hear those words? And these are normal human reactions to a call to live radically different. Jesus has called us to live radically different. And, you know, this Christian life, it's filled with irony. It's irony all over the pages of Scripture. And uh, when I was thinking about this topic, I saw this picture, a little interesting picture. You have this news truck that's supposed to deliver the papers, but it says a little statement where the news hits home. I don't know if I have to explain the irony there, but let's look at the statement. The definition of irony, a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. Some of you are going to be Googling that, like, well, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, it's often amusing as a result. We think about irony. If you call yourself a Christian, you find yourself living out an ironic life. You are told to die in order to live. Give up your life so that you can truly live. You can truly live this life. There's a, a great passage that illustrates that, and that's where we'll be today. Is Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 16, <clears throat> starting in verse 21. This passage, it comes right on the heels of, of uh, Peter confessing Jesus as Lord. And it's Jesus before that, we actually see Jesus feeding the 4,000, Jesus healing many uh, sick people, Pharisees and Sadducees in this chapter demanding a sign, and Jesus goes off on them, and then we get to uh, verse 13, and if you look at verse 13 to 20, you see Peter confessing, Christ is Lord. Like, who do you say that I am? And some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, and and Peter's like, no, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He confesses him as Lord, but you look at verse 21 and see what happens next of chapter 16 of Matthew. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And on the third Day be raised, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Verse 24 Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So you look at this passage, and it's it's got to be that if you take verse twenty and or verse thirteen all the way through, it's got to be one of the most schizophrenic passages in Scripture. You look at, at Peter confessing Jesus as Lord and, and he's saying, he's acknowledging Jesus as Lord. He's, he's, he's saying, look, I believe in you. Others call you different things, but I'm calling you the Lord, God's son. But then Jesus goes on to say, this is what's going to happen to God's son. This is what's going to happen to your Lord. And then Peter flips over and he's like, no. This will never happen to you, Jesus, never. Far be it from me for this to happen, no way. He takes Jesus aside, imagine this, he takes the Son of God aside and starts rebuking, like, and, and just rebuking him and confronting him that, no, Jesus, sorry. I know, I know this is what you think might happen, but no, this isn't it. And Jesus looks right at him and says, get behind me, Satan goes from confessing Jesus as Lord to being called Satan. Which is what Peter's life was pretty much summed up like. So Jesus explains the suffering, the death, the resurrection. He takes Jesus, Peter takes Jesus aside and, and rebukes him. See, Peter, uh, he was a follower of Christ. He left nets, left his father, left the boat... Is following Jesus. His intrinsic reasoning is taken over. He's beginning to rebuke Jesus because his mind, according to Jesus, is set like the mind of man and not like the mind of God. Why is that? Why was Peter's mind set like the mind of man and not like the mind of God? This was a man who was called out by God, a man who was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple. But there's an issue that he's battling and an issue that we all face. His mind was fixed on the world. His mind was fixed on the world. You see, we all have the same issue that Peter had and we can't shake it on our own. It's a wiring problem. No matter how hard we try, how many professionals we see, how many books we read, how many Google searches we do, we can't overcome it. The only fix for this issue is death. We have to die to our wants, our desires, our ambitions, and our rights. We have to come to the point that Peter discovered later in his life, realizing that our way doesn't work. Our way brings pain, and our way leaves us frustrated. See, we ha- all have this issue, I have this issue, you have this issue, and it's a wiring problem. It's a functional problem within us that we, as human beings in our sinful nature, we don't pursue Jesus. We don't pursue death to self. I mean, just look around. If you look last night, if any of you were watching the TV and you, you, you caught a glimpse of Times Square, there's no death to self in Times Square I saw almost every single person in that place with a cell phone out, taking selfies with, I don't know why, but Jenny McCarthy uh, and and doing other things like that. And, And they got their phones and it's all about me. This world teaches us it's all about us. Yet Jesus is saying death is what you need. You need to die to self in order to truly live. And he's calling us in this passage to something different. Something totally different. So we see after pointing out that Peter's mind was fixed on the wrong thing, Jesus goes on to tell the disciples and others to do the opposite of what Peter was doing in verse 24. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself. You know, Paul talked about this a little bit as well, and not a little bit, a lot. A selfless life. And he says, look, we all know that you look out for your own interests, but let's consider the interests of others. He didn't have to say, uh, well, look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. He's saying, look not just on your own interests, because it's understood that we all look out for ourselves. We're all selfish beings. It's part of our sinful nature. And so we have to actively, Jesus is calling us to actively deny ourselves. To actively get in the habit of saying no to our own desires, our selfish desires, and and yes to something else. And what is that yes we're saying? Uh, We're saying yes to is to take up our cross daily. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about some cute little thing you hang around your neck or something that's wrapped in stained glass. The cross is something that's been diminished over the years to the point where it's just something like a trinket and and something that we reference, but we really don't picture what he's calling us to. What is he calling us to? He's calling us to death. He's calling us to die. It's like, take up your electric chair every day be prepared to die every day to yourself be prepared to just do away with the things that you selfishly want to do to give your life for others to give your life for the gospel and do away with the selfish desires lose yourself for christ's sake lose yourself now, some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, well, Tim, uh, you know, I, I read scripture and I read scripture about God giving us the desires of our heart and, and, and being able to help us and empower us to do what, what we should be doing in ministry. And, and that, that is true. But it's after we die to ourselves that we become our true selves. It's after that we, we, we give our lives and, and sacrifice ourselves on the altar that we actually become who we were meant to be, who we were were created to be. Yet many of us, we just pursue our own desires and, and we slap Jesus as a label on them or as a bumper sticker on our life to say, here it is, this is my life, this is my Christ life, but yet it's just us living out our own desires and slapping a Jesus bumper sticker on ourselves. It's a good challenge for us. And then he finishes that statement up as you can gain the whole world but you still forfeit your soul. We'll be repaid for what we have done. Man, a lot of people leave that part of the passage out. Right? Take up your cross daily, follow me and then Jesus is coming and he's going to repay everyone for what they've done. You can chew on that for a while. We, gotta, we need a whole other Sunday for that one. So, Now I have to tell you, I love 4th of July and I love New Year's Eve. Now some of you may like those because of the obvious reasons like uh, celebrating the independence of our country, uh, celebrating a new year and ushering that in, but I'm a little more juvenile than that. I've been a youth pastor for 18 years and the way I survive is that I have in many ways a, a juvenile brain. And it functions differently, maybe, than a lot of you. And uh, some people ask me, How can you put up with students for 18 years? I'm like, Well, oh, how could you put up with adults for 18 years? Uh, I, I kind of enjoy it, I enjoy students. And part of that is, is just how God made me, but I love fireworks. Yeah, I get more excited about buying fireworks and setting them up and getting ready to see people's faces when I light them off than my own kids do. Like they go with me and help me pick them out, but I guarantee you I'm more excited than they are. And so it brings back a lot of memories maybe for me, family, our family was always together. It brings back one painful memory. I had a hole in my eardrum and the way they discovered I had a hole in my eardrum when I was a kid was uh, when the fireworks on 4th of July started going off. And I ran and hid under the bed. And uh, I just hid and and they're like, oh, there must be something wrong with Timmy's ears. (laughs) Like, yeah, it hurts really bad. It sounds like the firework is going off in my face. But I, I, I love fireworks, but I also hate them. I love fireworks, but I hate them. And this is why I hate them, because they don't last that long. I wish fireworks could last a lot longer. Now, also, you light the fuse and... Boom, they go off and that's it. And you got to buy more. And next year you're like, I got to get more. You know, I got to get two bags, right? But it's disappointing. It's joy. It's, it's excitement. Your fight face lights up. Or some of you are like my wife and you're just trying to make sure the kids aren't getting third degree burns like Owen. We just put him to bed because he was just trying to grab all the sprinklers and uh, the sparklers or something. But you think about this that <laughs> These fireworks, they're exciting, they're joyful, they bring a lot of joy, and then boom, they're done. That's a, a great analogy to what the world offers. A great analogy to the joy that the world offers us. And it is exciting. New stuff is exciting. Things that you got for Christmas, man, that's good stuff. But well, some of you are already over it. Some of you kids in here are already over those toys, playing with the box. Some of you kids, they own your I, I took Noah out to fly this stupid helicopter he got, and it broke the first time he used it. Talk about lots of joy, and then, boom, here it is, son. This is life, right? <laughs> joy. It appears for a little while, right? Vanishes away. Great lesson. I should just put it on his little dresser and just leave it there. I did send it back to Amazon, but I should have just left it there and remind him that. But no. Now Jesus wasn't, uh, John Bloom, uh, a writer for Desiring God, he says Jesus wasn't calling his followers to some stoic life of self-sacrifice for a noble cause. His was an invitation to joy beyond imagination. Jesus was calling his followers to deny themselves the world's paltry, brief joys, that they might have overflowing, eternal joy, to deny themselves hell that they might have heaven. He goes on to say the Christian life is hard sometimes agonizing. We shouldn't be surprised. Actually, we were promised it in First Peter 4.12. It's hard because denying our fallen selves is hard. Any death is hard, some much more than others, but it's designed to be that way. Our lives are our most precious earthly possession. Nothing displays the worth of Jesus more than our willingness to give away our lives in small and large ways for his sake. Nothing pleases him more. We consider 2017. Consider what your life is going to be about, what your family is going to be about, what your small group is going to be about. Make it giving your lives away for the sake of the gospel. To drive these thoughts home, we we can turn to Luke 7 and we see a passage of scripture where uh, we have a situation where John the Baptist is, is wondering, is this the Christ? Is this him? Is this who I've been talking about? Is this who I've been uh, screaming at people about? Because John the Baptist, he was pretty, pretty in-your-face and pretty bold. Is this who I was talking about? And in, in Luke chapter 7, uh, we see in verse 20, John uh, sends these guys, he says, And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. So, I mean, you talk about their question being answered. (laughs) You know, like, do I have to say anything? Right? Do I really have to say anything? But he did anyway. Verse 22. He answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor of good news preach to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Are you the one, Jesus? John's asking, Are you the one? And we could ask ourselves the question maybe people at work, maybe in your community, maybe in your own family are are asking, Are you really one of his followers? Are you really one of Jesus Christ's followers? Are you one of God's children? Are you the one? Well, Jesus' answer is what it looks like. Now, you might not go out and start healing people, but you can preach good news to the poor. You can care for others and you can give of yourself and put aside your own ambitions for the sake of the gospel. And John got his answer. When speaking about John, he even goes on to reiterate this ironic life we're called to. He says, I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So he props John the Baptist up as, no one greater born of woman, and and then he goes and says, but the person that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. A person that serves and cares for others and this whole ironic message is filled scripture is filled with this Matthew 23 11 the greatest among you will be your servant Galatians five thirteen: you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh rather serve one another humbly in love John twelve twenty six: whoever serves me must follow me where I am my servant also will be my father will honor the one who serves me Mark 10:45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lose your life. Die to self. You know, God even wrote this in nature. If you look around you in nature, especially right now, you look outside and you see the leaves falling. And it, in a lot of ways, it looks like death all around us. The leaves have fallen. The trees are bare, a lot of them, not the live oaks, but most of the trees are bare. And we see death all around us, but the reality is that death springs forth new life, and an even more beautiful life than we could ever imagine. God didn't write it just in Scripture and through his, his, the authors of the Bible, but he wrote it in creation. Death brings life. Sacrifice brings something joyous that is far greater than what the world has to offer. You know, I'm so inspired by people who gladly live out this ironic, death-filled life in front of me. I just want to take a minute, a few minutes, for us to kind of look back on 2016, look back at our church, at our body, and some people who have died to self and given of their lives in service to our king and to the gospel. So check this video out.
2: My TV screen. Another broken heart comes into view. I saw the pain and I turned my back. Why can I do this? Thing? Now everything I am
1: As you consider this uh, this call to die, we've looked at the reality that we truly do have something to die for. So this coming year, 2017, we're called by Jesus himself to die, to die to the pursuit of worthless things for a life of joy beyond compare. And what I'm gonna do to kind of wrap this up is I'd like, uh, if we have elders or staff uh, present here, deacons, leaders, if you guys could come forward Uh, and stand at the front, Uh, we'd like you guys to come down. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to consider what it means for your family, for individuals, for small groups to die. What does it mean for 2017 to give of your life for others? And as we do that, I want to call you guys to come forward and to pray with these men who are up front to pray and consider maybe what your family <clears throat> might be able to do this coming year maybe that you didn't do before. And for those that aren't comfortable coming up front, obviously you're welcome to pray and, and meditate there in your chairs. But there's something about uh, coming forward and, and, and getting with the man of God and, and really seeking God together on what uh, he might have us do. And you can see up here, uh, for those that need a, a jump start, a, a direction to, to point to, you can go to this website, temple.forthecity.org, and it has tons of great opportunities and great ways uh, for you to get involved. There's organizations like Helping Hands and Feed My Sheep and CTLC, Hope Pregnancy Center and and many more throughout our community where you can get a start and you may not know where to start and you can go to this website and and be inspired and and just try. Just, Just pray together and then attempt some things and see what God does through you in 2017 so i'm going to start in a word of prayer and then when i when i finish my prayer uh, the band's going to play they're going to sing a song and please feel free to come forward and and respond to what god's uh, called you to do today let's pray dear god we praise you for your word we praise you for the call that we have to live a different life a different life than pursuing our own desires and our own pleasures and the, and the meager joy that the world has to offer. But instead, to, to pursue a life of joy beyond compare, a life that's lived for the gospel, a life that's lived to see lives transformed and families changed and, and hearts broken. I pray that today that if someone is in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, they'll take the time today to recognize they can trust you right now. They can look to you as their Savior. We thank you, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who's called us to this new life. We thank you for uh, the life that you've given to us and what you're going to do in 2017 through Temple Bible Church and its people. In your name we pray. Amen.